Let's go. Bingetown, how we feeling today? It's your boy, Dave, and I am here with my fellow Bingetown pirate crew members, Brian, Luke, and returning anime and manga subject matter expert, Alki. Today's episode is a very special one for us because this show is very near and dear to our hearts. Today, ladies and gentlemen, after three years, we are going to be talking One Piece. Now, specifically, Netflix's One Piece live action, episodes one and two, Romance Dawn, and The Man in the Straw Hat. Before we get into it, just some usual binge town housekeeping, as Kyle likes to call it. The best way to support us is just by subscribing to us on whatever podcast app you're listening to. We also just recently fired up our Discord. We're constantly interacting with the channels on there, so you can find a link for it in the description of this episode. And lastly, if you're listening to us on our One Piece feed, be sure to check out our main channel, Bingetown TV. We have over 400 episodes covering countless numbers of shows. We are fairly confident that there is going to be content there for you that will interest you. Now, back to One Piece. I'm going to preface this by saying that everyone on this podcast is manga readers. We all have pretty intensive knowledge of the world itself, but we're going to be keeping these episodes as spoiler-free as possible. If we let something out, we're going to just cut it from the episode, so don't even worry about it. Until the end. Yeah, until the end, we are going to have a 10, ideally 10-minute 10 chat about some potential spoiler stuff. So if you are only watching the show and have no knowledge of the manga or anime, skip that part at the end. Um, Again, we're going to just keep this as spoiler-free as possible. We're going to try and uh, attack this as if some of the people listening to this are doing this for the first time. So we just want them to enjoy the ride without any spoilers. Getting into the episode itself, I have to say, or episodes themselves, I have to say, I fucking love them. Sure, they weren't maybe masterpieces. Maybe you guys could argue against me on that. But overall, I still feel the, I still absolutely love these episodes. I feel like I'm definitely all in on all of our MCs, all of our main characters, Nami, Zoro, Luffy, at least at this point in the time. I was shocked by some of the performances that we got, and the fight scenes were definitely hype as well. As usual, just going to pass it quickly around to get everyone's brief thoughts on the episode. Uh, I just want to reemphasize the level of fandom we have for this story of One Piece. Like we, Me and Dave have been reading it basically chapter to chapter for... Jesus, like decade, 18 yeah. years at this yeah, point. So decade. this is something that's near and dear to our heart more than anything we've ever covered on Binge Town. So this is like special for us. So everything is going to be coming at it from a completely biased point of view, putting that out there yeah. right now. It is going to be biased. These episodes could have been the worst ever and we could have still found a way to love them. The second thing I want to just say is that it is like a notorious thing in pop culture that live action adaptations of any form of anime or manga are usually just god awful so the bar is super low but with that being said netflix pumped money i'm pretty sure it was like something this this besides stranger things there. this might be the high the most expensive netflix show ever so the bar was that like it was a low bar for storytelling but the but the production value was always going to be there the passion of the writer ichi ichi Jesus, I can't even say his name. Oda, Oda Sensei. Goddamn respect on his name, please. <laughs> Oda Sensei was working closely on this show, so we knew that there was a chance. And all I'll say is that I'm unco I'm completely uncomfortable with how much I love this show, and I just think it was objectively good. And I'm ready for maybe some criticisms to be thrown at me as I'm going through this, but I loved it. I've seen both episodes twice in the last 24 hours. I will probably watch them again. 
everything that I'm seeing is just like my childhood dream. And I'm just so happy that we get to actually record and talk about this, especially when you take into consideration where we are at the manga, leaving that aside. I fucking loved it. Alki, what'd you think? Overall, I think it was a really good representation of the story that I love the most. I mean, honestly, it's objectively speaking, a good quality show. The acting is solid. They represented the characters that I've grown to love over the years. I look up to that are like some of my heroes in fiction and, and, you know, some of the people I look up to have inspired me during like some trivial times in my life. Uh, they do them so well and it's like coming alive on the screen. And I, I mean, I can't really ask for more. Um, you always worry that, a live action adaptation of an anime or manga is going to be a little cringy. While One Piece is naturally goofy, the show to me is not cringy at all. I mean, it it captures the goofiness, uh, quirkiness so well. That essence is displayed very well, but it still carries over that some serious moments that you really like look for and and what makes you crave even more of the story and and i can't wait to see what's going to be uncovered in this show in this season and i'll pick it up there hi i'm brian by the way i would say i'm the most casual one piece fan of the four of us and the six of us that you'll be hearing along our coverage but i'm only like 50 chapters behind so i'm also pretty into it and i was very nervous for this live action for the reasons you guys laid out because it just never translates well and I thought Netflix was going to fumble the bag, but from the minute I pressed play on episode one, there was a smile on my face because you can tell that this show was made with care and with the readers in mind. I mean, the attention to detail was great. And like Alki was saying, it's naturally goofy and it feels like they knew how important it was to capture that spirit of One Piece. And I think they just totally nailed it. So I, I'm excited for the rest of season one. I really am. And just to put it out there, because this actually came out. What time is it? This came out like 15 hours ago. Um, and so right now on Rotten Tomatoes, the season one has 82% critics, 95% audience with over 5,000 ratings. That is damn near solidified. It's going to be staying at 95% plus or minus a few percent there. Amazing. And then IMDb. I know some people don't like Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb has 20,000 reviews and it's sitting at an 8.6 out of 10 which is just the dream. If Netflix, and and they are, you know, one piece at the top of the charts, pretty much globally, any region you look. So Netflix, I'm assuming they're going to be green lighting season two very, very soon. They'd be crazy not to. They would be. I mean, those ratings are higher than some of my favorite shows. Exactly. There's And like, I don't know if this is one of my favorite shows, but One Piece is definitely one of my favorite stories. It's so crazy to see it getting such like raving reviews i i mean i if it was like a seven and a half i would have been like wow that's yep. that's fantastic this is I, like quality. on imdb so i am i'm thrilled we all are and we keep mentioning how goofy it is but what i'm really also enjoying about the show is it does bring a little bit of a darker tone and presence in the in the live action that we've been seeing which we'll get into here in a little bit but i just it's been such a joy I'm having chills on my arms right now as we're discussing this. So let's just get into it. But in regards to how we will be discussing the episodes, just for the most part, we're just going to go scene by scene chronological. The only thing that's going to be a difference is Luffy's backstory that kind of bleeds into both episodes one and two. We're just going to all, we're just going to knock it all out just right at the beginning of this podcast. Um, just that's also how the manga started. So that's just what we're most familiar with. 
But we're going to be doing our best to keep this as short as possible, but there are absolutely no guarantees since we are discussing our favorite thing in the entire world and of all time. So no guarantees. And also apologize if I use the word iconic too much. I just feel like that word is going to be fitting in a lot of these these moments here. Um, so just bear with us as we try and find our vocabulary to be a little bit more stretched out, you know? We do open in Logetown and we see the man, the myth, the legend himself, Gold Roger, just on the executioner platform. And this is what triggers the infamous um, pirate era in the world. He announces to the world that he left his famous treasure in one piece. That's all he really says. It doesn't tell us if it's actual money, what it actually is. He just lets the world know that his infamous treasure has been laid out somewhere in the world for people to find. And we get some glimpses of some iconic characters already using the word here. I don't know if we want to get too much into that, but what did you guys personally think of the recreation of the iconic execution of Gold Roger? (laughs) I'll start. I'll just say that Roger pretty much was full go from the first screenshot that he was in right like even like the teasers i was all in the mustache looks amazing the smile looks great and just the way he just pronounces that like words just he's just screaming to the to the world that the pirate age is about to start for this infamous treasure hunt and yeah i don't really have much to add it's it's really nice that we do get um garp uh introduced here right away we don't find out his name until the beginning of episode two but this is an episode one and two coverage so please have a watched both of them because we will be talking in that fashion mm-hmm. um but yeah that was that was cool just to see them act they actually went through with killing him on screen which didn't happen in the manga um but overall like this is just how it starts and it matches pretty one-to-one with the source material yeah, I think that's the first glimpse of what Dave was saying. They bring a darker tone to it. I mean, you see them just go right through his back. Uh, also, another character we saw a glimpse of in the crowd and cut this if I'm wrong, but we saw Mihawk, did we yes, not? We, did. Mm-hmm. we yeah. saw a lot of characters, actually. Which yeah. you, the you cloak of, uh, we see a green cloak of someone that I'm not going to particularly name because it could be spoiler territories, but yeah, there are no Brian. So just these are the type of things that we're obviously picking up as... Um, just based on our knowledge of the source material we'll keep them brief like we're talking right now but stuff like this we're going to get into a little bit more detailed at the very end when we do our like 10 minute manga spoiler discussion Mm -hmm. but yes we did see mihawk here he's been in the promotional material it's not really a secret or a spoiler because if you haven't seen any one piece you don't know who that is but that was a that was a really cool moment i have one uh comment about the opening scene this is probably and I don't want to start off on a bad note. The and this is like probably the only quote unquote negative takeaway I have from this whole first two episode screening. I just wish that Roger said one piece, man. Me too. No, I, I just agree. wish he said it. I I, agree. I can't believe he didn't say it. I was so blown, but whatever. He looked great. Garp looked great. As a reader, it was so great seeing them on screen. I mean, shit. The it was just so Luffy cool. says it and coins it later. Yes. Yeah. So whatever. I mean, look, they have the their creative liberty license to do whatever they want. I mean, and we're going to get into how they did use those liberties to interpret the story in their own way while still carrying the message, I think, very effectively. But I just wish he said One Piece, man. It's like iconic. Well, it's an iconic thing. Like I said, we're all going to be using the word. (laughs) We still got a couple parts of it, but I agree. I wish he said One Piece. Does anyone really quickly have any synonyms for iconic? Legendary, maybe. Shit. Uh, Iconic? We'll think of them. (laughs) Memorable? Memorable. There we go, memorable. 
All right, we'll see if we can work that in here. All right, now back to where I was originally going with is we get the opening to a young Luffy who has aspirations of becoming not just a pirate, but the king of the pirates. Early on, he does want to join Shanks' crew, and we see that he's so eager to join Shanks' crew that he's willing to prove his toughness by stabbing himself in the eye. Coincidentally, he was actually trying to aim him for his actual eye, but he missed. So That scene was iconic. Yeah. <laughs> memorable it was memorable but yeah after being denied a spot on the crew luffy storms off to find himself in front of a chest which contains a weird fruit inside which to me honestly it looked a little too fake i I, like it didn't like when he opened it up it didn't immediately scream fruit to me it just looked like plastic i liked it it was just a little small i mean it looked beautiful at the end of the day don't get me wrong and when he was eating it it looked disgusting i wish we got a little bit more of like this tastes terrible a little bit but you could kind of see from the texture itself that it probably wasn't too pleasurable to consume looked very play-doh-y but now our hero is complete and he is now made of rubber. How did that happen? Yo-ho-ho, we took a bite of gum gum. <laughs> and as uh, Luffy is uh, acclimating himself to his powers, he gets himself into some trouble with this new pirate who's been harassing the town of Fusha Village, which actually in the live action, it's called Windmill, which is the translation from the manga, word for word. So we'll call it Windmill Village. So I don't oh, confuse I didn't everyone. know that. Yeah, it's like because I had it Fusha Village written down, and then they're referring to it as Windmill Village, and I was confirm. I had to confirm myself for a second to make sure That's I had good. the right. Stuff. No, it's good to know. Um, but yeah, Luffy gets himself into some trouble. This is where we get a pretty awesome fight scene. This is the most fighting we've ever seen by the Shanks pirates in all of One Piece lore. Like we have never seen them fight this much, and honestly, what a treat it was. I mean. Wow, what a beautiful opening scene, I think, for the Shanks crew pirate to save Luffy. Ben Beckman was a beast. Yasup has quickly become my favorite of the crew members on Shanks' side. Lucky Rue was a beast. Shanks himself, and if you guys, I'm sorry if I haven't mentioned this already, but Shanks himself is actually a very familiar face to our podcast. It is Adam Martin from Yellow Jackets. I did not write his fucking actor's name down, so I'm Hobby. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Hobby. Inside joke, <laughs> if you guys haven't. For our non-Yellow Jackets listeners, but yeah, let me hear your guys' thoughts on seeing the red hair pirates in action. So everything up until Luffy gets pulled out into the boat. Yeah, just everything's free game. Free game. I know you I know that's a a lot of scene to cover, but No, you you covered it a lot. The only thing that I think we need to emphasize is how much they characterized Shanks as a good person. And this is where Luffy gets his ideas about good pirates and bad pirates that he talks about later. Good Marines, bad Marines. It's not so black and white. It's more of a gray world that they're building here. And Shanks is the perfect role model for Luffy. And Luffy is cute as shit. I'm just going to put. I I was going to say the same thing. I really like young Luffy. When he's He's, like fake. He's really boxing later. It's so good, man. Yeah, he's good. And yeah, he throughout his life. uh, I mean, in the first two episodes, it's obvious he tries to emulate Shanks so much. I mean, it's already in. Uh, it's obvious like how much influence he's had on him and he's kind of following his footsteps you could say um so far like i'm pretty sure the opening scene of young luffy is him like checking a calendar it's not like an actual day-to-day calendar but like it's all these x's marked off and there's a pirate ship on the day that he woke up on and he's like oh my god shanks is here like he is very familiar with this man and just absolutely worships him and i think they did a fantastic job of showing how much shanks was an influence on him and shout out to adam martin man i think he absolutely crushed him. we gotta get this name eater gadio thank you g-a-d-i-o-t it's either gadiot or gadio 
Either way, more I was like daddy More like daddy Daddio. <laughs> Peter Daddio. I love it. <laughs> I wonder if he's British, Brian. You could probably tell us right now. Because uh, he does he pretty good. His accent was born in Mexico Canada. City. Oh, okay. okay, cool. So yeah, he he did it pretty. And good raised thing. in the United Kingdom. There you I go. I have to say, I never imagined Shanks with an English accent. Like in my life, I feel like I could see it. I feel like he's an English lad. I feel like I could see it personally. Yeah, for him. I suppose it fits. I I just didn't imagine it that way. That's it's one of those cool things that you know sticks out. But now, it gives it. It gives the the live action show its own identity. You know, and sure. I I think that's. And they did the it's same important. with like a lot of the characters kind of they took their own little spin on him. We'll talk about that more as we come across. But I have two things I want to point out here um, just for the first majority of these shank scenes. Uh, so this so Yasa was the best. I completely agree. Oh, him him so doing the ricochet shot, the no look ricochet shot into the catch with the double pistols and then the whole crew, Ben Beckham, they yeah. all just shoot at the same time. I was loving every second of that. But here's my thing that um, maybe it's hot takey. Maybe it's not because it sounds like it might be based on when we were watching. I think Shank's scar looks amazing, but I think Luffy's in modern day is slightly underwhelming for me. I wish it was more pronounced because that's just like such an important part of his character design. Like every I'm looking at a little sticker of Luffy on my laptop right now. And he's just so obvious, like the scar, which you can't you can only see it really in the light in modern day. They did a good job of him as a kid because it's still fresh, but it doesn't really age well for me. So that was my only hot take about this whole thing related to the scars. Shanks looks amazing, exactly how I pictured in my head. And I can't wait for more details into how he got that in season 16. (laughs) Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just I think the lighting also hasn't been doing it justice really either. We're in a lot of dark places, too. I feel like for Luffy's scar and it doesn't really show as much but i'm i'm with you i think shanks is, is very noticeable whereas luffy's is not quite empathized a little yeah but then we get the scene of what starts the story of one piece is luffy um is out to sea with this marauder this pi- fake pirate who thinks he's the he's man. mountain bandit yeah mountain bandit there's the casual mountain bandit and we see a sea king patrolling the ship absolutely wrecks the the mountain bandit and luffy is left fighting for himself in the water he's drowning and who else but shanks come to his rescue um shanks has this fantastic moment here where he just saves luffy looks the sea king right in its eyes tells him to get lost sea king understands the assignment dips out just from the the sheer willpower that shanks is emitting from himself at the beginning here and we find out that shanks has lost an arm which what could have been man shanks with two arms we'll never fucking know but this is this is the scene that gets the whole story started. Luffy obviously takes a lot of the blame on himself here, but Shanks, being the good guy that he is, really tries to just take that blame away from Luffy and is like, look, I, I made this decision consciously. Clearly has no impact on Shanks. Luffy kind of eventually deals with it, and this is what kind of sets Shanks out to his, his journey. Not the to- CGI for the Sea King was amazing like i thought he looked yep. incredible half the budget of the episode had to go to making him perfect he looked better than um like game of thrones dragons like he was like that level of good quality and then uh the get lost was awesome and i really enjoyed luffy's young actors acting here like i thought it was super emotional when he blames himself and again like i already talked about uh, he was a great part of this yeah they did a they did a really good job in in showing how much that moment uh, resonated with Luffy and and kind of jump started his whole his whole goal in life, you know. And it, he matured a lot in that small 
instance and it was like uh it was a really good portrayal of a very huge scene in one piece lore and if this wasn't clear enough already sorry b toms you can you can go ahead i was no you're good you're good i was gonna say if it wasn't obvious enough already shanks is the original owner of the straw hat and here on his last day in windmill village he gives it to luffy and says you're gonna be a great pirate one day i know this you know just you can return this hat to me when you are a great pirate and when we meet again out on the seas. So that is Luffy's mission to go out into the world, conquer the one P- or conquer the Grand Line, get the one piece and return the hat to Shanks. I would say that silhouette of him placing the hat on Luffy's head is proper usage of the word iconic. <laughs> yeah, it <Yes>. is. <laughs> that is like um that is a worthy. big one and they they knew that they had to capture that silhouette and make it look perfect. Uh and they did. Truth be told the straw hat looks like a little fake straw e to me, yeah. but it does stand out, which is I think what they were going for there. I wish that the the bolt the dome of the hat is a little too big for me. I feel like, like the bulbous. brim the brim should be more why I don't know like larger. Yeah. Like there should be a larger uh radius brim. of brim yeah. rather and then less dome. But anyway, it still looks good. It it, it maybe Brian's right, but I I I, I don't hate it. Also so, the yeah. the strap on the hat. I know. I, I don't that love kind of that. distracting anyone? A little at bit. Some points, at some points, there is one scene where I'm like, it's kind of like in his mouth a little bit. And I was like, yeah. No. And uh, also, Luffy in the show has shoes and not sandals. But I, it's probably because, Brian, they, they want to make things seem kind of believable, you know? And, Practical. It's and like, impossible. if he's flying around stretching and all this, like, he can't be doing that in sandals and a loose hat. Yeah. He needs to have the. I'm guessing we're done with all the Shank stuff in the back. Yeah, right? so. so, my question to you yeah. guys, I guess, just open is. Do you think we're going to get more Shanks this season? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to leave it at. Mm, I'm going to leave it at no. I'm going to. I think that's it. I, I would also say no. I'm thinking though, like we might get like a five second clip of him like looking out to see, you know, kind of thing. And if we're going to count that, sure. But I don't think we'll get. I don't want to. I'm not going to say anything, but I think there are like in this saga. Like he might have been flashed at once or twice, yeah. And it, it might, it might, it might come to fruition. I would predict a season finale, quick appearance towards the end of the season itself. That would be a good. Yeah, season I just finale. think he's a. I, he seems to be a fan favorite, you know, from all the Adam reviews. Mark, bro. Let's go. So, you seen Yellow Jackets? <laughs> yes, bro. I've saw her Yellow Jackets. So. All right, present day now we have a a more grown up Luffy. I think he's actually supposed to be sixteen at this point. I don't think that's a big deal at all, but I'm just going to put that out there for anyone who wants to know. Uh, Luffy is just by himself, basically gets swallowed up in a storm and has to put himself in a barrel and is just floating out to sea. When a pirate ship picks him up, the pirate's name is known as Alvida, and here we meet an OG in Kobe, and we can tell right off the bat that Kobe is a little timid. He's afraid to cause problems for other people. He's really reserved to himself, which is very manga accurate. You know, Kobe is a little bit of a dork when we first meet him. And I think his literal representation of how he looks is honestly one of the most accurate mm-hmm. we've seen so far in these first two episodes. And I think Kobe, the actor, has crushed it so far, personally. I want to say two things. Number one, I guess we saw it with Gold Roger, but this is the first time I really noticed 
how they're doing the uh, wanted posters and they're kind of using that as the character introductions because one of the best things about One Piece is a new character introduction in the panel in the manga Mm -hmm. and that's their way of replicating it in the live action which I'm 100% a-okay with and they do the the bounties like flame imprint on the screen so all of that I could tell by the time they announced Alveda that that's how they were doing it and I was like 100% 100% all on board for it. That's the bar. Uh, number two, one of the things that I was worried about translating into the live action was how every One Piece character is just like the most ridiculous caricature of a thing yeah. that you can imagine. And Alvita is kind of one of those characters as is like a young Kobe. And I could see right when they announced Alvita and right when we saw Kobe that it was great. Like yeah. they highlighted the features that they had to, but they made it look realistic yes. enough, but also ridiculous enough to yeah. work in this live action. So like right when I saw these two characters revealed here, I was like, I think we're in good hands. I think this is going to work if all the characters kind of are consistent with this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to reemphasize that with the Lucky Roo, uh casting because he is also somebody that is supposed to be enormous but they slimmed him down but they still gave him the meat that he's eating constantly so yes you're completely right like the how they're trying to make it more realistic but at the same time keep the iconic parts of all these characters. <laughs> i told them at the beginning it's very it's it's amazing um you could have said memorable there memorable yeah <laughs> but i want to also say for the one it posters what we're going to do um throughout this uh the podcast recording is anytime a new one gets brought up we're going to bring up the berries just to keep the power scaling there because that's just always something the fandom launches onto um alvita was listed as five million berries is her is her one it and it's also important to know that, what'd you say nothing they went out of their way to not show Roger's bounty. That's yes. like important. You didn't important. see how much he's worth. Um, but yeah. we're gonna keep bringing it up because Buggy gets a a drop later. Captain Kuro gets a drop later. So we're gonna we'll talk about that when they when they pop up. What? Speaking speaking of the caricatures, something that uh, sticks out to me is like I'm gonna draw a parallel to Dragon Ball Evolution. Goku, Boo. his hair looks so bad. You know they try to make him look like Goku, but Luffy's wearing his outfit that i think anybody who's ever like watched tv or logged into twitter knows that's his outfit and it it doesn't he looks like a just like some dumb little kid you know what i mean it's it's perfect and uh, i i concur with brian yeah outfits have been a one so far costume design cgi everything i think has been a one and alvita was getting praised for her performance in what little she got because and i agree she was fantastic um the display of brutality in in the show overall and yep. in the scene it was was fantastic i mean there's blood yeah she's murdering people out here it's it's good man it's dark exactly i i just that's something that always i know us like where we crave that mature audience mm-hmm. feel and i mean in something like one piece where you don't really get it in the manga or anime we're getting it in the live action it's it's nice to, to express that nudity they show help hell mepo's like ass later <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> we had some fans, some Hell Meppo fan service in the live action. Absolutely. Yeah. But shout out Gum Gum Pistol too. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna take like one more second to just get us into another scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, the basically, fight scene was amazing for Alvita. Yeah, exactly. So Alvita discovers Luffy aboard her ship, and Luffy, as always, is quick to antagonize her to the point where she begins her attack, and we get our first live action fight of Monkey D Luffy. And to be honest, I thought it looked great i think the gum gum pistol was executed flawlessly i thought how he announced the move how it looked was just all incredible 
the way he utilizes all of the ship parts, like the stretchiness, I think looked amazing personally. No complaints. Yeah. And I think like B Thompson has been saying, it sets the tone for or like at least sets the groundwork for what's to come later on. And even though this fight was only three minutes, if that, it still did a great job and had me looking forward to, you know, more fights to come later on. Yep. Now we're gonna just jump really quick, uh jump quickly over to our one of our homies, one of the OGs as well, Pirate Hunter Zoro, who is just in the middle of nowhere lighting some candles, and he is being recruited by a Mr. Seven who is working for an organization called Baroque Works. And now this scene was a treat for us manga readers because we never actually got to see this moment from Zoro. So later on in the series, it gets hinted at or implied that Zoro had been recruited by Baroque Works and he turns down that opportunity. But here we actually get the scene of him turning it down. And this, again, sets the tone of the entire series. We get not only a death, but we get like a gruesome death in Mr. Seven getting cut in half. And I guess before we even get to that death moment, what a badass moment for Zoro, man. I mean, I think this sword fight looked incredible. The way he was quickly wielding both of his swords, like him and Mr. Seven were dual wielding swords. And I think the the choreography was great. Granted, we have been a little um, spoiled with like the Witcher and Wheel of Time recently. So I, maybe this fight didn't hit as hard because of how great these choreographed fights have been in the shows that we've been watching recently but still incredible for a live action anime like again my my mindset was probably going to be this is going to be a look a little terrible and it did not at all to me yeah i agree with everything you just said that like the choreo i was actually going to say the same point how wheel of time and witcher have been doing it for me with the just the fights choreographed this one one piece is living up to those um those other shows and I'll put this out there now. I think um, Zoro might. I'm still deciding who my favorite straw hat is in the show so far. But Zoro, his actor, so is definitely my favorite when it comes to any of the fight scenes. Like how he uses the swords. He's always using the scabbards. He doesn't pull out the sword unless he needs to. And just the way he's fighting, his actor, I think, is is so far winning in that um, area of the show. And then I loved the earrings. Like they look just as good as I always thought they were going to look in real life. His three little. Isn't, those are some badass yeah, units. Yeah, what you call them. Dare I say they are? Never mind. No. I'm not going to say. <laughs> but yeah, just so proud to see our boy Zoro getting the the justice that he deserves on the the live action screen. Yep. So again, just love the violence. The bar setter here was it was perfect. Not what I was expecting. Honestly, when he got cut in half, I was like jaw dropped. I was like, if we're going this way, we're fucking. Let's go. I'm all in for this because it is like the way he brings the bounty will get there too but like that is stuff we don't really get to see in the manga and it's cool to see here but yeah anyway we're going to go back to luffy and kobe who are now out to sea by themselves a couple days worth of food we learn that kobe wants to be a marine and he wants to be able to protect people and this is another moment for me where luffy is just being luffy luffy obviously announcing that he wants to be pirate king all the time marines are anti-pirates and Luffy being Luffy is like, you want to be a Marine? Go for it, dude. Like, I don't care if you want to, like, you can try and stop me now if you want. Like, he does not care about Kobe's, like, what Kobe wants to do. He just wants Kobe to live out what he wants to do. And so this was just a great moment for Luffy, just emphasizing that he is just so carefree, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kobe was just talking down on himself, lacking a little self-confidence. And Luffy doesn't over, I think he just slaps him in the face and says, don't be dumb. 
yeah, nothing else and then he just moves up like that that is luffy that's what we needed and they're getting it they're getting yeah. little stuff like that right it's 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 good to see he's carefree but he's also like the most compassionate character of of any fiction piece that i've been involved with and i think um that was a great moment and this this yeah this moment just really emphasizes that just we have a, a marine here on board that luffy if he was like an actual like an evil pirate as he calls them would have probably killed kobe you know just stop the evil at its source whatever you want to think of it but not our luffy luffy breaking the mold man he's yeah. not gonna be one of those raping and pillaging pirates yeah, no sorry. <laughs> he's gonna be like a breaker of a chains pirate i say, I say oh, i'm a different kind of pirate breaker of chains i like that yeah he's a different kind of pirate um but now we get a look at our first waifu of the show, baby. We get Nami here, who is up to Nami things. She swindles a couple of buggy pirates into taking their ship. Just great introduction for the cat burglar here. And she looks fantastic. I know I stole that from Luke right there. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. Like I am I am in completely in love with this actress. She is a diehard One Piece fan, and she has always been a Nami fan years before she was cast as Nami in the live action. So she's just one of my favorite behind the scenes people to follow for any of this One Piece content. And she plays Nami to perfection. And I don't I don't use that lightly. I say perfection all the time, but sh- this is perfection for me. Nami definitely has a proficiency in deception, as you can see here and later Luke's on. Luke's been as up well. to Nami good <laughs> since he figured this out. I mean, she, no, I think she might be my favorite um, One Piece, uh, excuse straw me, Straw Hat, hat because uh, her her portrayal, I mean, she captures the essence of the character. I think so far to all of them, in my opinion, I think is perfect. Yeah, Even I'm more than Zoro, like, is perfect. Luffy's still warming up to me. It's, Luffy, while he's doing a great job, it's like it's Luffy. You know what I mean? Like, I got to see more. I'm not going to just like say he's doing a great job after two episodes. I think he can do it, though. And Zoro falls under that character. Yeah, Zoro is absolutely just that. Zoro's right there. He, I mean, most people who like the show or the manga, usually it's usually a battle between Luffy and Zoro as their favorite characters. Nami, though, in this instance, I think she's fantastic. And for what it's worth, I have always had Nami in the manga and the anime as one of my favorite crew members too. I just love what she does. I, I also always so super competent. She's like the glue to the team. Like she's she's just kind of need it. She's and kind of an all around person. She's a scene stealer in this live action so far, which is crazy to say when you have Zoro and Luffy there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so far, just again, I'm loving her portrayal. They're certainly making her more capable of a fighter earlier on which is good to see yeah she always had her staff though like the Mm -hmm. oh i love her staff Mm -hmm. i think it is so cool i think it's the coolest weapon of the show so far like i mean honestly and just like buy one i I know they have just like sticks out from like the center it's so cool Alrighty, and so now we have luffy and kobe finding themselves at shell's town which is just a marine branch number 153 who cares about that it's just a marine branch is all you need to know where they stop by a tavern to get a bite to eat as we quickly find out luffy is very into food um but we veer a little bit off the manga here but honestly it's still really well done just a couple things happening here in this scene specifically so one we have zoro dropping off the body of mr seven for the bounty um we see a strange looking person uh next to him who notices zoro and then storms off his name is Kabaji. We'll get to him 
when Kabaji comes back at the end. That of was the a episode. cool little moment because it didn't yeah. come into play until episode two. Yeah, guess, honestly, yeah, it was something that I missed, honestly, the first time around. I might have been like on my phone for a brief second, didn't even notice Kabaji was right there, but definitely a very nice touch because that helps us transition into the next villain for episode two. Just mm-hmm. a very easy thing for them to do. Storms off. But then at the same time, we also have Nami hitting on some guys here, but they can't be too tall. You know, she's hitting on the shorter kings. So. Um, then we have a little girl offering Zoro some food, but she actually accidentally bumps into this Helmeppo character who is the long haired blonde, we'll just call him dickhead, who immediately berates the little girl. But Zoro, he fucking wants all that clout. He wants all that fucking smoke. And he decides to stand up for this little girl after Helmeppo steps on her food. Zoro still takes a bite of the food, tells her it's fantastic, and insists that Helmeppo have a bite himself, which just leads to another great fight scene. And I was like Luffy here. I was just, my jaw was dropped. I was just awing at every moment that Zoro had of just kicking some butt here. Luffy scouting like Howie Roseman right here, just watching the whole yeah. thing play out. Gentleman defending a damsel in distresses on it, picking it off the floor, chose the one that he already squished, mm-hmm. not the one that was still intact. Oh, Zoro just killing it. And again, another great fight scene. So, all around and this wasn't in the manga correct no 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 well it it's like half and half it's like zoro at the point in time in this point in time is he's already strapped it's like up. reinvented he's already yeah. strapped up he's never gotcha. zoro yeah, was yeah, never yeah, in yeah, a bar yeah. like this she he did eat rice he did eat the yeah. rice cake mashed up mm-hmm. rice cake it was mixed with dirt and stuff when he yeah. was tied up um to that pole in the anime slash manga um another great portrayal Helmepo. I think he's uh I oh, hope yeah. nobody said that yet. He's just such a douche and he was a douche in uh and uh, we've always known him as a douche said he was good. So uh, his facial acting and the way he like was just everything to do with his mouth was so good. Like he was so he hateful. Genuinely felt like a caricature like yes. with how yeah. his like mouth was just like so big at some points like the faces he was making and felt felt very uh, manga-esque. And I want to bring this up while B-Tom's just reminding me you said the scout like Luffy scouting out potential crewmates. We missed a line earlier yes. that's important to say. Luffy did clarify to the when he's talking to the bird that commits mutiny on him <laughs> that he wants 10 crew members. That's incredibly important. Just mm-hmm. But I Something think he that implies it again early. that is not including himself. It sounds like I need 10 people on my crew. Plus a bird. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the bird that just declines. And the first yeah. person or thing to decline Luffy's invitation to the crew. Right. If I was that bird, I would have been like, fuck yeah, sign me up, baby. But yeah, back to that. Back to the bar scene. Again, a great Zoro moment. His fighting's always top notch. Nami has a cool scene where she just takes the she knocks out whatever Marine she was swindling for the for the outfit. And that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's that's all we got there. And then so Zoro gets the better of Helmeppo here, and we find out that Helmeppo is the son of Axhan Morgan, whose face has been planted all around this marine base. We've mm-hmm. we've seen him in the background already. And um, he is the leader of this marine branch, and Zoro basically forces Helmeppo to take him to Axhan Morgan so we can get the money for his bounty that he brought in but rather than paying zoro when he does meet axhan morgan he axhan morgan asks zoro to join the marines but basically if he refuses he's going to be strapped to a stake for seven days without any water or food this is kind of where the manga influence comes into play here but zoro is basically forced into doing it he doesn't have an option he obviously does not want to join the marines which if he did join the marines that would be crazy (laughs) i couldn't even imagine a timeline of that happening (laughs) him going against luffy later on that would be wild but anyway 
Zoro decides to go through with the punishment rather than join the Marines. I just love the clout he has as the oh, yeah. pirate hunter. He's not afraid to like speak his mind, which I do enjoy here. Like he he's slyly like taking shots at Axe Morgan, and Axe Morgan's just not taking it. And speaking of, again, just more credit where credits due. Axe Morgan looked incredible. Another thing oh, that yeah. I was a little worried about because he specifically is probably the first character that we're introducing to the manga that is actually like really a manga character like, like obviously formed yeah like his jaw is completely made of steel which you know thinking into it I, i'm before seeing the show i'm like how are they going to do things like this very simple looked realistic wasn't too much of like a huge jaw just looked like it actually was built into him so just giving credit where they credit nailed it too. his line de- delivery was incredible the actor too. was honestly one yeah. of my favorite performances but i will give credit where credit is due. <laughs> So as Zoro is suffering his punishment, Luffy just so happens to sneak into where he is being kept via aqueducts. This interaction for me was fantastic, especially on the rewatch, because the whole time, just as a manga read, I'm just thinking these two have no idea what they're about to get into with each other. And it's just so heartwarming here. Like Luffy just immediately is like, yo, I saw what you did at the bar. You're a good guy. Join my fucking crew. Zoro's like, I don't know who you are. No, thank you. Anyway, the best judgment of character of all time. Yes, yeah. just the down, best judge down. of character. Yeah, yeah. I just, the scene brings such a smile to my face. Zoro also proclaims his dream. We also do get Zoro's dream. Uh, he announces that he wants to be the world's greatest swordsman, which I was kind of pissed. Luffy again, another thing to kind of go into what you were saying earlier with uh, Gold Roger not announcing the One Piece. I was really hoping that Luffy would have said here, "Oh, the world's greatest swordsman." That would be a great compliment to the the King of the Pirates. You know, like just talking yeah. about their dynamic, yeah, duo ness. But either way, still just bring it brings a tear to my eye. All right, we see Nami after she's disguised herself with the perfectly short enough guy's clothes. She gets actually caught here, but she does beat some ass. And Luffy, coincidentally, at the same time, as he went back into the aqueducts after rescuing Zoro, or freeing him, rather, falls down, overhears the conversation of Nami. Nami tries arresting him like a little punk, and Luffy's like, you're not going to have that on me. I I heard the whole thing. You're fake. Let's team up here. And Well, she is forced to team up with him because Luffy just arrogantly is like, all right, I'm just going to go take the map, just like his just going to walk right out and just fight anyone in his way. Nami's not about that. She doesn't want her plans getting ruined either. So again, we're just getting some of the classic back and forth between two OG characters. And it's great to see. They have great comedy beats together. These two, like the first intro when they're both like at the map, uh, the map barracks and they're both like looking up and down like three times at each (laughs) other. And the way she just instantly knows this guy is just as the succession podcast would say, not a serious person at all. So It's just so great they're back and forth because she is the serious glue that holds them together. And then Luffy's just doing what he's doing. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to walk around the Marine base and she just follows him. It's good. Mm-hmm. And she does a cool little flip up, too, when she's fighting. I love that. More staff, please, for me. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Zoro gets his ba- blade back from Helmeppo. Like we said, we get some Helmeppo ass here. Um, but we do see Nami put her deception skills on display here as well. Her as her and Luffy are about to approach Axehan Morgan's chambers, he steps out, and Nami does a fantastic job here of weaseling her way into convincing that Axehan Morgan that she's a new recruit. And my favorite line so far of the show is right here is when she's doing all this, and Luffy looks at her and is like, 
she's the best, isn't she? <laughs> it's, her. <laughs> it's just, again, that really, for me, felt like an OG Luffy moment. Just him being so clueless in the, his surroundings, just not being aware of what's going on. And Nami just looking at him like, can you shut the fuck up, please? And, and then, of course, he has to save himself by saying, she's the best at being the worst. <laughs> just great back and forth. And so Axan Morgan buys it, goes off to do some axe hand morgan stuff and they discover the safe nami gets to work on the safe but they're running out of time as they've as axe hand morgan discovers that nami was not who she says she was he comes quickly back to the uh to the office that they've locked the door on and he's trying to break in luffy is again annoying the shit out of nami she's not able to quite break the safe out so what are we going to do we're going to choose brawn over brains here Luffy just grabs that fucking safe and is using his elasticity to just create some some power and they yank the fucking safe right out of the ground that it's bolted to. So here actually is I want to just point out that this is a nice little moment because it does at least emphasize a little bit to us that Luffy not only does he have powers, he is naturally stronger than the average person. Like this thing was bolted into the ground like Nami would not have been capable of doing this. So just a small moment that lets us know okay this guy is above average strong as well, not just made of rubber. And another good small moment that happens for Nami during these scenes that you've been walking through is when Luffy does say, like, you should join my crew, like I'm a pirate. She throws him against the wall and says, like, I hate pirates. That's just an important part of her personality, and it's going to go a long way for character development reasons. So just keep that in the back of your mind. As you can tell, she just doesn't like any pirates. Or authority, for that matter. Yeah. Absolutely. She does not have any respect for authority. Um, but so they break out of this. They grab the safe and they fling it accidentally outside of the building. So Luffy and Nami now fall to the gr ground level and they are now surrounded by a bunch of Marines. So now we enter another great fight scene here. But just really briefly, we do see Zoro walking away with his swords, takes a look at the fighting, takes a look at leaving. And I guess Luffy struck a note with him just enough for him to decide to go back and join the fray and them fighting. And I, I have I could talk probably a long time about this fight scene, but I'll let you guys kind of pick and choose what your favorite moments were here. What did you think of Zoro, Nami, and Luffy all together here? Zoro's never going to run away from a scrap. He, he saw a scrap. He was like, yeah, that's where I want to be. But. It was great. It was fantastic. Kind of just how they were taking care of the fodder and then Axe Hand comes up and Zoro and Luffy just kind of like come together and do the damn thing. But I, I mean, how does it get better than Zoro like donning the bandana? Oh, gas me up! Putting the third sword, getting it out, slowly popping it in his mouth. Luffy in the background peanut gallery just like, oh, that's where it goes. And... <laughs> Uh, what did they just agree? You take low, I got high, and boy, does Zoro go low and Luffy's got <laughs> high. They just, they just, they work this guy, and the fight scenes, they had to be great, and they have been great so far, so no complaints. Mm -hmm. I just love when Zoro does get the better of him, and he uses his mouth sword to kind of, like, put it at Axehand Morgan's neck, yeah. and then Luffy finishes him off with the whip, like, oh, I'm chills man like i've just been getting chills non-stop like they go away they come back it's just i love talking this shit it's so great you know I mean? so many great moments but one thing to just put out there just into the other that axe morgan says that he was the one that single-handedly captured 
Captain Kuro, Master of a Thousand Plants, whatever. That's mm-hmm. going to become important when we open the safe later. Name drop. Name drop. Yeah, just like a future seed plant there. Uh, but yes, I one of the best things about it too that actually I would say sound feels more consistent with the manga and anime is when Axan Morgan comes out, Luffy and Zoro start fighting him, and Nami sticks to all the fodder. That oh, yeah, makes yeah, a lot yeah. more sense. And she she crushes some of the fodder, she's and that was the really god cool of even in like current chapter, yeah. she's the god of just crushing fodder. She's resourceful. Yeah, you know, she, really she, she just can't handle resourceful. the she can handle some big some big bads, but like someone like Axan Morgan, you gotta leave it to the to Luffy and Zoro. My sure. biggest takeaway is you guys touched on the big points of the quality of the fight scene. The team chemistry, man. Synergy, it's just baby. A1. It's A1, and you know that it's not going away. They can't they can't get away from it. I know they're all saying they're saying, ah, I'm not joining the crew. Like we're not we're not on the crew. <laughs> we're not we're not shipmates or whatever. It's like, yeah, psych, bro. You you wish. Yeah. You're locked in now. But <laughs> Luffy happening. says we're a crew and they both say no he like turns and looks at both of them like what the hell are you, like, talking, what are you guys about? talking about we just fucking fuck shit up that is definitely also one of my favorite parts is whatever he says we're a crew and they're just like not a crew that is oh that yeah is that's actually, a great bit that, that is actually comedy right there. um and then the we work really well together he says that all the time too <laughs> uh but dave you this is actually off the back of your comment with how luffy's like really strong when he lifts the safe oh, yeah. a little moment that's awesome here is when they're thinking about leaving after they take care of axe morgan they have to move the safe and they don't know what to do. So Zoro just, while they're talking, just picks it up with like one hand and just like walks out. He is known as strong as fuck. Yeah, right? he's strong. So he is like physically yeah. the strongest of the, like even future crew members, like yeah. he is physically the strongest. I would have loved, ah, uh, never mind. I was going to say it would be cool if he cut it open, but. Oh yeah, just like slice it. Yeah, not yet. Not, yeah, he can't cut steel quite yet. But. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. <laughs> Axan Morgan will cut that. <laughs> but with Axan defeated, uh, the crew quickly escape to their boat where Helmeppo is greeting them again. He fires off like a warning shot. Maybe it was like an actual shot, but he completely whiffs Zoro, who doesn't even blink because he's such a beast. And Kobe gets a lick in, baby. Our first Kobe punch, baby, knocks out Helmeppo and basically lets um, Luffy, Zoro, and Nami go. And he decides to stay back, so he has his opportunity with the Marines now. Can't not talk about his haircut, though. Oh yeah, Helmeppo now has the memorable <laughs> character defining. Yeah, it's like the bowl cut looking, like the Rock Lee almost looking yeah. haircut. So I was down that. for the haircut change, but I'm so happy they fixed it at the at the last moment and they made it a thing. Helmeppo right. was great, um, oh, yeah. and I just want to like. The show has been ringing home the establishment of it's not Marines are good, pirates are bad. It's there are good and bad pirates, just like there are good and bad Marines. And his lasting words to Kobe are, you're going to be a good Marine. Mm-hmm. Axan Morgan was a bad Marine. You're going to be a good one. And that's good. Right. I'm going to be a good pirate and we're both going to be good <laughs> doing our different things. They call each other friends and they set sail, baby. Love what it. A- fire pile oh i guess the, the, the yeah we got team. we got two scenes here uh the first is we find out who we eventually find out to be garp we've already established that but this is garp here he gets a phone call on the denden mushi um inquiring about the pirates that broke into the marine base so we get a little closer glimpse here of garp again this is the guy who captured gold roger and then the second scene we get is we fi- who we find out eventually to be kabaji letting buggy know that the map has been taken from the marine base and we get buggy's Brief introduction here, which was panel for panel, like the introduction to Buggy. 
him sitting on the the seat is exactly how he was sitting in the manga. Like it was just really awesome to see. And the Warner poster too, I think, comes up here. Sixteen million, I believe it 15 was. Fifteen million. Fifteen million. Oh, God damn it. Well, oh, it's one it. more than whatever. Um, it's one less. One less than than Kuro. Fifteen okay. million. Yeah, Kuro was sixteen. I um. Small detail. I loved how Garp was feeding the oh, yeah. transponder snail. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just like they are alive. And in all anime, there's always some law-defying, physics-defying mumbo like, jumbo. Yeah. And that in One Piece, like you can communicate via snail and it's alive. And Garp was feeding it. And if you're completely cool. new to One Piece, just to give you a tiny bit more, the snails take on the physical characteristics of whoever is calling from the other side. So Axan Morgan snail had the little metal jaw. So you'll just be on the lookout for that in the future because they're funny little moments that really crack you up sometimes. And to be honest, I don't even know if we've ever seen in the manga like someone feeding their snail either. That's, so that's like, why it stuck out to me. Yeah, it's like a little bit of more world building for us manga readers. Like that's just something that never we never would have thought of that. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly, I, just thought, yeah. I kind of thought they were like inanimate snails almost. Like they were living, but they didn't really need to survive like off they only exist to be telephones yeah exactly i mean yeah now we know they're they're creatures so this this is great but now we dive into episode two and we're we're going long but fuck it man this is just i think we're making a good time time. okay an hour per episode we're good i love this content guys i love it so (laughs) we are here in episode two our trio is sailing at the sea nami is continuously still being annoyed by luffy uh he's just distracting her from opening the safe but even with the distractions nami is finally able to crack into the safe and we see a few things here first is in the top left hand corner we get a bounty for a kuro which again we've already kind of talked about with axan morgan claiming he's captured him or you know arrested him once whatever it is it's a bounty of 16 million which is the highest we've seen so far the map of the grand line or at least I'm I'm assuming it's probably the world. Maybe it is just specifically the Grand Line. I'm actually not 100% sure. But then in the top right-hand corner of the box or chest, we also see a Baroque's work card that similar to the one that Zoro was going to receive from Mr. Mm -hmm. Seven in episode one. Yep. And here we get a great world-building moment. Uh, Luffy is wondering actually where the Grand Line is. He talks about wanting to go there and conquering it and all this stuff, but he actually has no idea where it is. Nami gives a sigh because she is our genius navigator. Provides us a brief introduction to the world of One Piece, or sorry, just the world, period. So we get North Blue, South Blue, East Blue, West Blue. North to South is split by the Red Line. East to West is split by the Grand Line. And it's very difficult to get to the Grand Line. And if you wanted another glimpse into the level of detail that these guys are doing for this show, that outfit that Nami's wearing right now is from a random one-page cover art shot that Oda drew in the first half of making them like the first half of his time making the manga, it might have even they, been her like her OG character design. No, the, the the one she's wearing uh, here is, is not yeah, that okay. one. Uh, maybe maybe this is the time she switches into one that. Of them is, yeah, either way, she they yeah. they every outfit that they ever wear so far is in some way taken from a random arc or like a random cover story that Oda drew at some point. So they care. Just just know like this is like magical for us who have been fans for almost two decades of this series and it's just amazing to see these little little things because they add up and they just show you how much care is being given to one piece and if you have a problem with where they got the outfits they got them from the fucking ship that they just stole so yeah. i don't know i don't remember who called it out when we were watching the show but that's what they got them from the ship and so 
um, just as they're discussing all of this information, a new ship arrives and is emitting a strange cloud of smoke that slowly knocks them out one by one, just as Luffy's about to go down to the smoke, swallows the map and sees out the window uh, a pirate ship with a Jolly Roger. And here we enter Buggy the Clown. Basically, he is a psychotic clown that values entertainment over everything and is very sensitive when it comes to his nose. It's honestly a very twisted version of the buggy that we're used to, and I'm all in for it. He basically has this entire village of people trapped on his ship, forcing them to partake in his shows or at least be audience members to his shows. And we also uh, find out quickly as well that he also aspires to be the king of the pirates and finding the one piece and luffy that causes some beef but yeah this is our trio here we get our introduction to buggy what are your guys's thought on buggy the clown um i mentioned nami's my favorite straw hat buggy's probably my favorite portrayal of a Villain a set. pirate outside of the straw hat crew i mean okay yeah shanks is great and all but buggy was awesome i mean wow he was he was sinister enough to make you, you know, kind of consider him a threat. He was also funny enough to understand like that he is Buggy the Clown and the whole thing with the the circus, the tent. I thought that was a great uh, imagery into like his personality and, and kind of what he how he um, structures his crew and how he tortures people. I mean, it was great. And they're not on the ship, right? They're in the town. Yeah, that is the town. At first, I thought the tent was part of the ship, but it turns out the tent is set up in the town. Are you, are you talking about Binky? Yeah. Yeah. Binky. yeah boogie. Binky. I'm talking about Boogie. 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 Yeah. Which I love that they like added that little thing. Yeah. Luffy is constantly fucking up names of people that he doesn't like, I guess, care about. Care about. Yeah. Because he finds Buggy interesting, but not to the point of enough where he can remember his name. But yeah, this, this Buggy portrayal was just absolutely like amazing i thought it was very menacing again like seeing all the villagers around him just like trapped that's something we never saw in the manga like we knew buggy was ruthless and you know destroying villages and things like that but this would took it to another level and it was just really cool to see and naturally this is a thousand plus chapter story that's written a lot needs to be cut and i think they decided to cut a bunch of the right things for the buggy arc like that mayor that we see throughout this episode with the white hair he plays a bigger part in the books um in the in the manga and then they do at least go as far to acknowledge the lion his name is in the manga the 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 white lion-esque looking character his name is moji moji and then buggy and and what his thing in the manga is he has this huge lion that he rides around on buggy has the little line where he goes where's the dancing lion that's good enough because we didn't need to see it but just that they're like calling themselves out they're like it's basically like the show of one piece being like Oh, our fans are going to ask, where's the lion? It's yeah. just him being like, eh, yeah, here, and like the transponder the little, the little dog. That's a huge part in the manga anime too. like for a second at the end of this episode. So they they hit all the right spots and then they focused on what they had to those to little Easter eggs are, uh, exactly. are very eggs. rewarding, yeah. you know, as as somebody like somebody to somebody like us. Mm-hmm. All righty. And so Nami really quickly here as they're kind of doing their back and forth about who's going to be king of the pirates, Luffy and uh buggy nami attempts to escape but rushes out of the tent to quickly see what alki was referring to is a wasteland of a town that was completely destroyed by buggy one thing i wish we got to see was the buggy ball in action that's 
what basically we don't you don't know this in the live action but basically buggy has a specific cannonball that's called the buggy ball it has a picture of his jolly roger on the ball and it causes ridiculous devastation as you can see here by the uh, representation of the town it's implied the crew is separated so nami comes rushing back in after seeing the town is destroyed Zoro and Nami get pulled aside where Luffy is set to stay here with Buggy uh, to be tortured to find out where the map is. Mm -hmm. um, so Luffy, I'll actually go to Nami and Zoro really quickly. So Nami and Zoro are in their own uh, cages here. Uh, the unicycle riding clown, <laughs> I guess, Kabaji, who we saw from episode one, who was at the bar with Zoro, shows up. And now we get the backstory of why he had that reaction to Zor seeing Zoro in the bar. So turns out Zoro killed Kabaji's brother at some point beheaded him and just traded in his head for a few berry which obviously kabaji did not take too kindly to he's kind of taking advantage of zoro here while he's tied up um nami at the in the meantime is working on picking the lock that is um holding her hostage i like for this part that they do have the moment alone before he gets there where they're like having their back and forths because they need to have these growing pains of starting to somewhat get to know each other for them to be a crew in the future and you see some of that like you know like they're they're making fun of each other they're saying things so they're learning a little bit about each other she even goes to say like i had four lock picks on me like he's starting to understand the type of like thief she is and you know like Zora's just a badass that just doesn't fear death and she gets to see all that stuff with the knife throwing so i think this is like a subtle growing moment for them just as they get to know each other and i know we're, we're kind of like overarching all of this like this like we're just kind of talking about the scene itself but there is a kind of a moment here where zoro mentions that he is kind of turning on like he's he's becoming more enthralled with the idea of joining luffy like he's kind of talking about how luffy has turned on him a little bit and he is seeing how good of a guy luffy is and kind of respects that out of the him. first sign of it's faith baby is this where he says, I don't have to believe in him. He believes in himself. Yep. Yeah. I just love that line. Yeah. It's just, it hits even harder. I'm sorry if we keep rubbing in that we're manga readers, but I just feel like it just hits so hard as a manga reader. All right. And so now we get back to Luffy, who is being trying to be tortured by Buggy. He's being stretched out, which obviously does not do anything to our made of rubber MC here. So Luffy's just having a, a blast here. And then Buggy decides to switch it up on him. Um, we get a display quickly of Buggy's power, which is the chop chop fruit, which allows him to essentially break his body into pieces that he can basically never be cut. So that's just something important we see here. He gets the better of Luffy. He uses his hands that is no longer attached to his body to, you know, knock Luffy out. And the, the straw hat reveal too. Yep. And we get him trapped in a cage of seawater, which we also find out here is the devil fruit's weakness. So if a, person who has consumed a devil fruit is even just touching seawater it causes them to lose their ability as well as become really weak so luffy is not able to use his rubber or rely on his strength here to break himself out so that's just some important stuff for people to just remember but like are we gonna the the shanks conversation already happens where he acknowledges uh, we can just we can talk about that right here so while luffy is getting tortured essentially buggy does mention to luffy that he recognizes the hat that luffy is wearing and says that it is the original owner of it was a good friend of his shanks who him he and shanks used to be aboard on the same ship when they were younger and that's kind of all we know about buggy and shanks's history and that he hates him now and that yes shanks at some point betrayed buggy and now buggy holds this grudge towards shanks so obviously seeing the straw hat probably pisses him off to no end yeah now i have to ask 
and I'm embarrassed as the uh, the resident anime expert that I don't know the answer. Yeah, of the I intro- you of, as the anime of, uh, my head. Like, um, did he enter? Did he mention his relationship to Shanks in the anime or manga? I don't yeah, so like yeah. in the manga. Like, I think he does. It's kind of the same thing. It's just like very loosely. Okay. Like, I recognize your hat. It belonged to Shanks, and Luffy's like Shanks. And- so he did. All right. Yeah. I. I. My. My memory's a little foggy on that detail, but cool. Does he even say here it used to belong to a guy I know named Shanks, or does he just say an an old crewmate of mine? He might have even in the manga. He might have even just said old crewmate of mine. But I'm sure for Luffy, that I'm asking connected. now no, to get no, our facts straight. It's Shanks. He says he named. Dra- okay, Shanks. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, gotcha. he says you know Shanks. Like that's something Luffy says back to him. Gotcha, then, gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm gonna take this opportunity too to point out one of my other gripes. So. I've been glowing pretty much this whole time besides like one the the scar thing I mentioned earlier. My other thing and this is probably my biggest complaint is how they portray seawater impacting a devil fruit user. And I actually really re- noticed it during the uh the scene when Luffy's a kid and he gets saved by Shanks. They're not supposed to be able to move when they're in the ocean or seawater. Like literally like immobilized like you just sink like an anchor. But Luffy was like treading water and stuff. And even in this scene, when he's like in the box, like as soon as it hits, the water is high enough. He should basically just be immobile and like he can't move his legs. So I don't love that piece of it because it should be more of a handicap because taking a devil fruit is such a is such a blessing. And it's such a positive for you, especially in a world with fighting that the drawback needs to be a little bit more obvious because I think okay you lose your power but like for most people if you could tread i don't think it's it got across that you you will drown if you're in the in yeah i guess you're 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 absolutely right i don't think it was like clear enough that it's like if we just threw this person out into the water like they would just drown like they wouldn't actually be able to not like swim you know that's why in the opening scene of luffy in modern day he gets into the barrel because he's like oh shit if I fall into this water, I'm just dead. It's not that he's just weak and sitting there waiting to be rescued. It's that he will just sink and not move and drown. So I hope that that is still the rules because it might not be because Luffy, young Luffy was like treading water a little bit for a second. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. But well, didn't the chick say at the bar like in the live action, you you know, this means you can't swim or whatever. Yeah, but I'm saying what they showed us hasn't really matched up that have that. Like it shouldn't with just should be, be like you lose the ability to swim. It should be you are literally a vegetable. Like yes. you just can't move at all. Like you can't tread water. Yeah, is what but, you're saying. But we'll see. It, like it'll probably be a little bit before we see an opportunity like this happen again. I think based off what I know in the books, we'll see how they eventually tackle it later on. But yeah. I can see why it'd be like a a, a tiny complaint. Because Buggy right. does specifically say that's seawater. You're going to lose your powers. You yeah. can't do anything in there. And then there's two things that if it weren't wasn't already obvious for Luffy's character. There's two things that you really don't want to talk shit on. It's or like just, you know, hurt at all is the hat and talk shit on Shanks. And both those things Buggy did. And so using that anger, Luffy kind of unhinges himself from the the torture. Or sorry, this was earlier. But regardless, Nami, Zoro, they managed to break free of Kabaji. Uh, pretty badass too because Zoro just one arm chokes him out and just fucking just gives him a little muscle. Um, and then Nami is the one to throw the staff and shatter the cage that Luffy is in. And now our MCs are all free and they are going to fight the mini boss that is Buggy the Clown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this just open dialogue about the whole final fight basically? Yeah, we can go. It's just the Buggy versus Straw Hats right now. 
Go ahead. Buggy's powers ahead. look phenomenal. And yeah. I feel like he didn't use that. Like, was he able to create like a whirlwind with them? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like- yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the move is called Chop Chop Parade, actually. Like when it's just flying in circles like that, the cannon was the move. But one thing I probably would have said I would have liked to see a little bit more from his fruit is more emphasizing the knives. Because when you're seeing like just like slabs of meat being thrown at Luffy and stuff, it doesn't really like feel like it's too dangerous. Like in the manga, like Bucky's shoes have knives in them. Like each finger could pretty much be a blade, you know, like I. I feel like when he was using that move, he could have emphasized a little bit more of the danger because Luffy gets hit by a couple like punches, doesn't really see any knives and like he gets hit with like a slab of like elbow meat. Maybe I I don't really know what it was, but I really wish they could have emphasized a little bit more of the knives there. I um, I liked. I liked how when uh, Zoro like slashed at him, he he chopped in the in the direction of the slices. I feel like um they in the anime they've always shown like the typical ones like he'll split his body in half or like his arm will come off if zoro or somebody slashes him there but to see like the x actually get separated i thought that was so good i yeah. agree and that's yeah. the moment he goes surprise shithead <laughs> yeah that was i actually laughed out loud i want some cursing because that like that was i think the first like swear word yeah, we got yeah. or at least like noticeable one and that like caught me off guard so it made it like extra funny so, so many I, laugh out loud moments man i was really happy that he named an attack mm-hmm. it validated yes. our boy luffy very yeah. uh very much so but i'm really curious to see how it plays out like in the live action i can't imagine a serious fight and and they're just being like you know like naming attacks it, it, yeah. it you know i think that they'll probably do it for the big moments i just wanted i'm just curious to see what well, it's like you know and I, I addressed it earlier with dialogue he said all the best fighters name their finishing moves right and right that's why i said and he said just no, they don't. And then they both moved on with their <laughs> lives. Like a finishing move from Buggy, whereas like maybe the other techniques he were using weren't like finishing mm-hmm. moves. But the chop chop cannon was a finishing. Right. Move. That's why I said it validated Luffy that like all yeah, the fighters. And, and then fighters he ends saying, up doing yeah. bazooka to actually like hit him out after they come up with the Which, plan. I'm going to be honest. This was probably my one negative is bazooka was a little underwhelming because I feel like in the manga, like it feels like a cannon fire. Like it's like it's really emphasizing like the air push that's coming off of like the, the the connection of Luffy hitting his opponent. So it felt like a little bit like of a slap that he just like slapped Buggy in the face and shot yeah, him out. So I, I, I thought it was pretty good. Impact, honestly. I, this is probably just a subjective thing, obviously, but this was just my one little complaint. Okay. The whip is of the three, the one that looked the worst to me the kick right the kick i was yeah the kick against morgan but if you didn't say that i would have thought we all would have universally thought that the, the bazooka no, was I good no, i thought the bazooka was pretty solid Agreed. i yeah, also the bazooka th- looked good i thought the whip was honestly solid i didn't i thought the whip was solid too i think pistol whip and then bazooka so there you sure. go that's a good sign that none of us collectively think one of them is bad yeah, yeah. at this point we're splitting hairs they all look oh, yeah good. yeah absolutely yeah. splitting yeah. hairs sure um, but that way that they got ripped they actually beat buggy because buggy was winning that fight against mm-hmm. all three of them the way they beat him was great i'm pretty sure it's similar yeah it's, i think it's pretty much the same because they like, locked does up. end up with just the hands the legs and his head <laughs> at the end of the fight and it actually somehow still looked not like ridiculously out of cartoony know, like, it didn't yeah, look like, like cartoon still, it was as good as it was gonna look basically and I, I i was pretty happy with that luffy does free the village from buggy's um control 
and we see his inner in, uh, his innocent personality kind of influence Nami a little bit here. So we already kind of got the confirmation verbally from Zoro that he was buying into Luffy a little bit. Here we see Nami double take on Luffy's yep. genuine goodness in his soul. And it was when he said, "I'm a different kind of pirate." Because yeah, she, she, like, she, she he's unlocking the chains because yeah. the, the mayor. If it wasn't obvious either to the to the audience that the the guy with the poofy George Washington looking cut was the mayor of the village and. Mm-hmm. He was like, what, are you going to re-imprison us? Like, now that, you know, you beat Buggy, now are we your 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 treasure? And Luffy looks at him and he's like, I'm a different pirate. I don't do that stuff. And that's where kind of Nami looks at him. So, go ahead. Relevant to that, what instigated the fight was Nami running out, trying to escape on her own, seeing the devastation he had caused to the town. And then she came back and stood up to Buggy, which is very uncharacteristic of Nami to go picking a fight with someone stronger than her and said... You shouldn't be able to get away with this. You, a pirate, are treating this town like absolute garbage. And which I'm not going to give away too much, but she is all too familiar with like that kind of oppression. So that's definitely. Well, I'm bringing it up because it's a character point, you know? Absolutely. Nami is the best. Yeah. Nami's fantastic. Yeah. So is Zoro and Luffy for that matter. The trio has been fucking great. And this is the moment that Luffy coins her as you're the navigator. When he, and it's so she good, the man. Fucking navigator, and she's the goddamn best one too out in the fucking seas. Yeah. Um, last scene, however, we're casting up Nami, and then, however, we do get one last scene of our trio. Um, they're kind of celebrating the W that they just got, and Nami kind of slyly sneaks off to the side, and we see. I actually like this touch too because we don't really get too many of these shots if any at all in the manga but we get like a little bluetooth transponder snail which i thought was pretty sick honestly and she pulls that bad boy out dials up a number and is like yeah i've got you can tell him i think she says you can just tell him we have the map no i turned it off before that yeah <laughs> i didn't watch that scene yeah we haven't seen nami be bad yeah yeah, yeah. but just again just little bits of extra world building for us manga readers is seeing like the the bluetooth transponder so i thought mm-hmm. that was a nice little touch i think we have seen something like that we before. probably have but like yeah seeing it like so yeah. vividly here and visually it was really cool i think there it's are like a like, little hermit ears. crap she just puts in her ear. yeah <laughs> do you think it's like funny. moving in her ear too it's, it's probably, she probably has to 100 percent oh god i don't know if it's worth it <laughs> she has to feed it what a barbaric way of communication all righty now we're gonna go so we, that was kind of all of our uh mc buckets right there we're gonna touch up on the the final bit here of uh the marines so kobe is gearing up for his first day and he is lined up outside with helmeppo and we get our first official introduction into the hero known as garp the man who captured gold roger so with his hat yeah love the dog hat that he has on iconic <laughs> i was not even gonna i wasn't i didn't love the hat i'll be honest Why? I think it was funny. that's exactly how it looks it. yeah Whatever. i thought it was pretty dead on but um kobe's the only one that doesn't really know who he is helmeppo makes him come off as like this is a big deal that garp is here and so axan morgan is regaling garp over an exaggerated story about what happened at the base to make it seem like he's a noble hero but does give a little bit of credit to Co- and Garp does see through kind of the bullshit that he's presenting, but he does kind of Axan Morgan kind of gives a little bit of credit here to Kobe with saving his son, something like that. And Garp kind of is a little bit interested now in in Kobe. Next scene we get of them is Garp bringing Kobe into his main office to have kind of Kobe tell him about the whole situation, get his perspective on it. Kobe's talent walking him through what happened, but he does 
Garp does let it leak that he knew that Kobe was with Luffy when they first arrived at the village. Luke, uh, Kobe does drop the name Luffy. Garp's ears pick up a little bit. Just a hint, hint, wink, wink a little bit here. And Garp turns his head and is basically pressuring Kobe into telling him the whole truth of the events that happened. And begins questioning Kobe as a Marine, just saying, you don't look like you're cut out for this, yada, yada, yada. Kobe holds his ground, eventually tells him the whole truth that happened on the events and redoubles down on his validation of wanting to become a Marine. And then Garp gives um, him a little bit of credit saying, uh, telling the truth is, a, or at least truth is a core value of the Marines. So again, this is something that we didn't get too much into in the manga, at least this relationship this early on, at least between Garp and Kobe. But it is awesome to see the the blossoming relationship that these two are going to have going forward we don't necessarily know entirely where it's headed but we can see at least here that garp respects kobe and kobe does kind of look up to garp a little bit with how his introduction was with oh he's the hero of the marines kind of good and a good marine and axan morgan got his ass strung up in the yard yes sir yep so axan morgan's strung up in the yard and garp's putting him on display here giving a huge speed about honor justice and that the leader's leadership of marines has been a little bit corrupt especially since the um execution of gold roger he is now garp is personally now in charge of leading a mission with the new cadets to hunt down the pirates that caused all this devastation and show them the con there are consequences to pirates actions and those consequences are the marines i thought that line was hard as shit <laughs> i think garp has been a phenomenal addition to the show so far i cannot wait to see more of him and Kobe going forward because again in the manga we didn't really it kind of periodically pops up these two and so I I just like seeing early on their relationship develop here. Big props to Helmeppo man. Oh yeah and Helmeppo comes off with, with a black crew. guy yeah. yeah sticking with the navy sorry excuse me it, despite them persecuting his freaking father. Yeah. <laughs> it's the navy now. Yeah yeah it's the marines. You said navy. Okay, my bad. There is a difference. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's really not a big difference. We'll get into I it as Marines, the Navy so. gets introduced. They're all the same, basically, but it is the Marines here specifically. I think, uh, like we're we're pretty much that's the end of the actual uh, content of the episode. So I think what's left is let's go around and everybody give their top. I want to say top three just character performances okay. compared to the to the manga or uh, anime, like the the source material. We'll take a mini break and kick everybody out that doesn't want any form of conversation surrounding manga talks and then hit a couple of high level topics, not super detailed, and then we could sign out. Um, so if we're OK with moving forward, I'll go first just because I give you time to write three down if you don't already have it down. And I'm I'm based on this conversation. I feel like a lot of us are going to have some repeats. Yeah, totally fine. Some similar. I ordered mine. So my top three are actually Nami. Helmeppo, how how you Helmeppo, Helmeppo, and then Buggy in in that exact order. Um, Meaning top down or top down. Nami is perfection. Okay. Helmeppo was for screen time, pound for pound. He was the best. He was an anime character, like on screen. And then Buggy's performance, like he was the Joker in in manga form. Yeah. So like that yeah, was really, really great to see. Yeah, actually, that was I, I thought the same thing while watching like he that sinister laugh. I was like, wow, was the like, laugh was good. It was like Joker or something. And it was nice. He probably the actor might have had to draw some influence from somewhere, you know, and maybe he drew that from the Joker. And if he did, that's such a cool little uh, 
detail. All right, rip your three. My three from bottom up okay. are Garp, Buggy, and then Nami at number one. Okay. Okay. I'll just go next because we had the same top three, but different order. My number one is going to be. Wait, maybe this was the same word. <laughs> we'll find. Uh, number one was Buggy. Number two is Nami. Number three was Garp. I did bottom up. Yeah, I don't know why, but was did it you say Nami word? first or Buggy first? You said Buggy first, said right? Buggy first. Then then I was Nami. Okay. So. okay, cool. And B Tom's. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is supposed to be top three. Per- mm. Not like up. acting performances, but but capturing of representation yes. of the character. Yeah, and that's that's why it's so tough. Um. So two people I have are definitely Kobe and Hell Meppo. I think both of them just like, yeah, they were perfect. They were exactly what here. they were supposed to be. Um, and I am kind of grappling with Nami or Zoro. I think both of them did such a good job. So I'm going to cop out and just put slash yeah. Nami yeah. slash Zoro. We'll allow it for one piece. We'll allow it. Yeah, Zoro, I need a little bit more time, but he was like four or five for me at, at the very least. Yeah. All right, so now with the best performances out of the way, we're going to, again, give a little heads up to anyone who is just sticking with the live action. Any manga readers, anime uh, watchers are welcome to hang around, but we are going to kick out anyone who is now only watching the live action. So our advanced, spoiler-heavy One Piece conversation here. Last chance to get out. Yeah, last chance. I'm about to say AP One Piece. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... My first thing that I guess I want to mention is uh, that we did actually see Dragon at um, the Executioner platform, which first time watching. And even with all the tweets that I've seen, I didn't like we definitely were supposed to see Mihawk, um, Shanks, younger Shanks. But seeing the green cloak was so epic because we just the meaning that is of Logetown and just like re coming back to the scene of Logetown and Dragon's going to be there again. Oh, that's going to be that should be the end of like season two. Yeah, is the, we go to the back to Logetown and we see Dragon. Again. The other thing I'll comment about the executioner platform is the funny me, Alki, and Luke just kind of saw this tweet, but like basically people were implying that like they saw a female character like out in the stands, just like watching the execution of Gold Roger, and people were like, "That's Crocodile," because of the the Crocodile theory that Crocodile used to be a woman until Ivanka. Crocodile. Yeah, yeah. Crockham. Yeah. And we could say Gold D now. Yeah. Gold yeah. Gold Roger. All you fucking people listening. It's Gold D Roger. We're not stupid. We know what it is. I really wonder how many <laughs> the the ratings are amazing. Also, you have to just assume a lot of the ratings are by people who have no one piece, right? I really just I'm so curious to know how many new one piece virgins there are, like just yeah. watching One Piece, the live action. Like that I would agree. be That'd be sick to know. What do you think it would be? Uh, if it's like fifteen, I would be surprised. I would say like ten, I would higher. Say ten. What higher? of people that you think only? You think the only people watching this show are? You think eighty-five percent of them are yes. readers or watchers? There's not a shot. It's I'm just not. not I'm just not sure what mass appeal it would have to someone just clicking through Netflix who isn't already tuned into anime and manga. So I do think they're relying on the built-in audience. It's the biggest fucking manga in the world. Like there yeah. is an audience that could sustain this show on the budget built in, and you better believe every One Piece fan is watching this show. But yeah, I'm inclined to be close to Alki's like 15%. I just feel like this is the any no matter who you are, this is going to be the show that's plastered onto the top 
like it from the algorithm. You could well, right now it. it's actually number one on Netflix. I saw a tweet like yeah, three hours ago. I mean, give it every to- Netflix account is going to have this recommended in their top five. It's going to be in the trending charts. People are just going to click it because it's the number one. Yeah. This movie, Big George Foreman, number two. People are probably clicking that just because that's a good point that's a good point i'm not saying that every single watcher is like a week by week manga reader like us but i think that a lot of watchers have seen one piece before yeah and i think yeah and i guess to go into to defending luke here how they could think it you could think of it too is also like people probably have heard of one piece like there are plenty of people our age who you know watch toonami and like oh yeah like i remember one piece way back in the day and like oh there's a live yeah exactly gago gago like that's memorable so <laughs> like Kathleen and my dad and pat are gonna watch it that's three people that are just within yeah, but that's also us like circle like we're like it counts like they like they're like but they've heard that's kind of what i'm they've talking heard about, us oh, talk okay, about it for okay. the last 15 years i think yeah the discussion is would they those people be watching it if they weren't adjacent to diehard people who are literally podcasting on the show i don't Good think question. Allie would just click on no she's not going to click on it even with pressure but um all right but let's bring it back to the spoilers did you i, th- I know we've talked about this as a house but did you speed times have you seen the other wanted posters that were casually hinted at when luffy and kobe showed up to show i saw kuro who was the other one so no kuro was kuro's was in the i think the there was also in the security it was, oh, it was on there too it was on the thing so there was one a, i couldn't make out this is actually amazing is they had foxy and like a casted actor who's going to be foxy they and bellamy right bellamy and then they have Cavendish, which I think is the craziest one, who is in the straw hat, yeah. like all the way down in Dressrosa. See, and I don't know if that's... I actually had a little bit of an issue with that, because, like, was he in Oda's blueprint that early? No, probably no, not. Why does no. it have to be? So this is actually something I want to kind of bring up here. So, if again, if, if you're here, I'm assuming you're a manga, anime, reader, watcher, whatever. A great X account you want to follow is Library of Arthur O'Hara. O'Hara, sorry, Library of O'Hara on Twitter. He actually, he, they, I don't know what their gender is actually, but they um, are like the ultimate One Piece guide. Like they have all the theories, like OG theories, everything. That is the account you want to follow on Twitter. And they actually, part, they were a big part of the subtleties of Easter eggs and stuff. Easter eggs, exactly. So they were probably the one that came in and were like, hey, we have a we have this be- like wanted board like let's just include some of these great pirates that people can appreciate in the mm-hmm. background because i know there was also a moment if you actually see there's a newspaper clipping and it mentions the great broccoli war which if you go to library mm-hmm. of Hera's fucking one piece timeline there is a canon event that is the broccoli war mm-hmm. and it's mentioned on the board so library of o'hara follow him on twitter they are the best one piece source. yeah for sure but wait i want to go back to what you're saying so what do you mean he wasn't in oda's blueprint because that's for sure a thing in the manga but that's the benefit of like i'm thinking you know because the reason why is like isn't cavendish actually he became a pirate because of the supernovas no he is i thought uh he's not a supernova. No, yeah, he's not uh, that's why i'm like okay no i don't think he got be a pirate uh, no i don't think he got inspired by you know that for a fact anything he was a pirate and he got pissed off because luffy like he was an up-and-coming pirate okay i'm reading their wiki according to him when he became a pirate he was very famous and well known but when the supernovas uh, appeared their daring acts of ruthless stole his glory so never mind but to go into your blueprint i think a lot of what we know in like wano and all this shit like 
none of this was like blueprinted in these episodes when they first came out. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about an obvious one? Uh, hockey? Yes. Oh, yes. That's that was a change one. for sure. With that, that's has to be what that was, right? Like, so was, yeah, like they were making it obvious, like he has conquered, yeah. he has something. It wasn't just like yes. Shanks being strong. Like, I think they, yeah, exactly. I think they mm-hmm. really went into it being like, it's like when you read this or watch it for the first time, like the OG episode and chapter, it's just more so like it seems like intimidation more so than an actual ability. But here, with like the the quivering of the eye and like the, and the, eye contact, the, the pupil, the yeah, pupil like I feel like that really condensed. emphasizes that conquer hockey is established yes i um i think it's really cool yeah sorry brian is that not a thing that oda probably only established later in the series and then probably people used it to yeah retcon so the advantage of having this live action and be able to do it again from the start this is an enhancement i would say because how the hell else would he Absolutely. I'm really um, yeah, I'm really curious to see how they uh you know build the idea of hockey. I mean, it's like probably when it comes to anime, there's always geekiness like hockey and all that, those arguments about who's stronger. Like that's like as geeky as and dorky as you can get. I'm just really I'm not saying it'll be bad. I'm just really curious to see how they're going to paint that picture. Like especially when like you get to the second time we're at Logetown when Luffy's execution and like Dragon saves Luffy like he touches Smoker, you know, like it's a thing that he's like able to physically touch Smoker. And I think like I'm wondering if like they're going to emphasize the armament hockey there. Are they just going to kind of blow over it like they, the original well, manga did? Again, is that a retcon moment, though? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's They're going to do something with it. I'm curious to see how. I feel like we saw Yasop's redirect bullet shot would have been like his observation, some observation. observation hockey in the heat of battle. Oh, actually, I didn't even yeah, I didn't even consider that, they Brian. That's a good one. At this point, they're a freaking emperor's crew. They would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did they? That was 10 years. Like, Shanks already dealt with Blackbeard, was already like that. You don't well, think... Like he might not have gotten Well, Shanks already had a handle on Conqueror's hockey, clearly, at that point. So it's yeah. not a leap to think the what rest of the crew say? would at least... He already made but it... At that point, it's him like making know? it around the grain line once already, right? Isn't Shanks that what they say? He already did it. He didn't and... just like instinctive, like not like plan him using Conqueror. Like how, how do we know he wasn't like just like in the moment? Like how Luffy, when he knocks out the wolves when he's trying to save bon clay and impel down like that was like a product of the situation like shanks's situation here of using conqueror's hockey could have been a product True. of the environment rather than him actually just being like i know how to control this it's impossible i just didn't know if he's already fighting with blackbeard that's... who already but no he's clearly already had that fight if he has yeah. the scars but mm-hmm. i don't think like a, a yonkow wouldn't be clawed by blackbeard you know what i mean like it was i think it was before he was officially get to the grand line like he'll sail to the grand line and make a name for himself as a yonko later and luffy will you know either way there's no answers i am talking in my head canon the thing about the hockey is like maybe oda didn't have a name for it but he knew there was like some kind of uh force that people like Luffy or Shanks I'm sure were we capable of actually on the internet. Like I'm pretty sure at the time that yeah, all right, we, we don't have, have to plan. We don't have to keep uh, going back and forth about it. But I just thought it was a good representation of of what we know to be hockey. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Show. I, it, I wrote took it as notes as that was hockey. And you're right, asking the right questions about at least armament hockey and observation hockey. Like how are they going to represent yeah. those to to the to the audience when they get introduced? I think that while the show is obviously paced so quickly like actually um 
the the orange town the buggy arc was like 20 chapters or something you know it was one episode but you know i, I really don't think anything was missing you know yeah, i, I feel I, like they were rushed at all yeah well it was quick it didn't feel rushed you know it's I, i'm It'll happy back, about that i'm sure the buggy actor um couple things i had written down that are just quick hitters did Axe and Morgan actually capture Captain Kuro? Was that a thing? In the I don't remember I don't that remember. being a thing. I'm sorry, yeah, that one I I do not know. I think that I think that was made up for the show, which is fine. That's a good I way think to it's just like, an easy way for them to trampoline into the next show. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the other cut two things I had written here were the intro with Roger. I love the little moment with Garp telling him, saying, "I warned you. You yes. brought this on yourself." Because they're not enemies like at all from everything we know about Roger and, and Garp and like the relationship, like Garp didn't want him to die. Like that was not something that was in the plan. So that little moment did it for me. I would say as like a, you know, just for manga and anime. Absolutely. I mean, that was something that was completely new. Like Garp was not the one announcing this shit. Yeah, Garp wasn't there at all. It is really cool that we get that subtle quote of, like you said, it's just him being like, I warned you about this. And so like, even that, I think, viewers should be able to pick up on and be like there is a history between these two it's not just they're Marine fighting each other yeah, yeah like there's a little bit of a history here so that curl thing is is canon it might not it have was? been mentioned in this in this part but it says on his wiki um he slew through a ship full of marines sparing only morgan to use him as an unwilling accomplice to arrest and execute a decoy so that's then he fakes his death. Yeah. So on Morgan is as a fraud, and there he's using this thing that, that he captured of, Kuro as uh, a way to like, uh, you know, enhance his status. In a while, but in so. actuality, it's uh, because that, he does bullshit. the same thing at the end of whatever episode that was when he's like talking about like, oh, the pirates came. I decided like I let them go, but that was because I decided to like yeah. save my my troops, which wasn't true at all. So this yeah, he's all ties shit. in. That's great. That is awesome. Um, last thing I had written down. Shanks tells Luffy, I guess he was just talking to him because he was a kid and saying things, but Shanks says, like Luffy says, are you going to go look for the One Piece? And he says, yes. And like, from what we know, that's not the case. Like, he just kind of sails the seas. Like, he's not actively looking for the One Piece. I'm pretty sure relatively recently he said, like, it's time to make our move for the One Piece. You're right. Like, Like, that that is a big thing in the the manga that happens. I'm sorry, (laughs) B-Thomas. You can... It's really not that big. It's not that big. But he's just like right. That they they should have paid attention to that wording of him saying, Yes, I'm going. But you could argue, like, overall, sure, he might not be like that, might not be X marks a spot on his map that he has in his like breast pocket. But it's always like there. Sure. I just thought of that little moment as something that. Is there any other spoilery things that we want to talk about? The Goa Kingdom line was pretty cool. Yeah, so the Goa Kingdom, that's really cool because we obviously know that um, Sabu's brother. So Kabaji's brother is how it gets mentioned that Zoro chased them across the the Goa Kingdom. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's going to be it for our coverage of Netflix's One Piece live action. As usual, if you like what you heard, subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. We're always dropping new content. Right now, we're covering the Wheel of Time and Jujutsu Kaisen. So if you're looking for more anime content, you should hang around subscribe me alki and kyle or have been loving the new the new season follow us at bingetown tv on all socials x.com instagram you name it be sure to check out our discord it's building a lot of steam and we're building a really great community so we will have a link for that in the description of the episode but other than that once again we are bingetown tv and thanks for listening
Goggle, goggle. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.